Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. As I mentioned earlier, we're starting a new sermon series today that we're calling Soul Sisters, Soul Sisters. In the weeks ahead, we're going to be exploring the stories of five different women in the Bible because these women have a whole lot to teach us about faith and about what it means to respond to God's call on our lives. Unfortunately, throughout the church's history, that the stories of these women have often been overshadowed and, and overlooked in, in different ways. So we're hoping to counteract that in this sermon series as we get to know these women and, and their stories because they are so important and inspirational and, and helpful for us uh, as well. I'm excited to, to dive into this with you. But before we jump in, would you pray with me? Oh, loving God, we thank you so much for this time and this space that we have to turn our attention to you. God, we ask you to calm our busy minds in this time. Help us to to open ourselves up to the word that you have for us today. God, in those places in our hearts and in our lives where we need uh, the the comfort that only you can give, God, we pray that you would bring that comfort today. Uh, And yet, God, we know that for all of us, um, we need to grow in different ways. And and you have words that push us and, and challenge us uh, to grow into the people that you've called us to be. So we pray that you give us those words of of challenge in the ways that we can hear it. Lord, we thank you for being present with us during this time, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is the living word. Amen. Well, uh, I think it's safe to say that all of us care about justice right? Uh, All of us want to live in a world that is more just, that is more equitable for for more people. We want to live in a world where people's race, where people's gender, where people's sexual orientation, where people's nationality, where people's income level, where none of that precludes people from the kinds of opportunities that are afforded to the rest of us. We want to live in a world where those kinds of things don't cause other people to, to hate and discriminate against those. Those people. Why do we want this? Well, because we believe in human rights, certainly. Um, but as Christians, it goes much deeper than that for us. Because, as, as you know, uh, we believe that all people, uh, not just some people, but all people are made in the image of God. God loves all people, and God calls us to love one another in the way that God loves us. And that just entails pursuing a more just world. We want that. God wants that. But as we pursue justice in this world, in all kinds of different arenas, we can run into a problem. And maybe this is a problem that you've experienced before. I know I've experienced it before. Uh, The problem is that the struggle is real. The struggle is real. It is so easy for us to get discouraged as we look around at this world and we see so many things that just aren't right. And oftentimes it feels like things are getting worse and not better. You know, we look around and we continue to see instances of of racial discrimination all around us. Uh, Some of you experience racial discrimination 
on a regular basis. Uh, we turn on the news and then we discover that climate change is not getting better, it's, it's getting worse and that's contributing to these droughts and wildfires and, and hurricanes, all of these natural disasters that are hurting people near and, and far. We, we continue to get reports about governments near and far that in different ways are denying the rights of, of women, oppressing sexual minorities and, and other groups. We, we get reports that economic disparities are continuing to grow. And, and in, in the face of all of this, and the list goes on and on, but in the face of all of this, it can feel overwhelming and it can get really, really discouraging. And when we get in that place of, of discouragement, it can be tempting sometimes for, for, for us to, to just want to kind of check out and, and, and give up. I mean, we can, we can get into a place where, where we just start to think, well, well, what difference can I really make in the face of these massive challenges? You know, I'm just one person and it's not like I'm the president or something. You know, I don't have power to, to make all of this better by myself. So, so what can I really do? What difference can I really make here? It can be tempting in those moments of discouragement to, to just want to kind of throw up our hands and, and, and just give up. Uh, last summer, um, in, in the weeks following George Floyd's murder, I was able to attend a couple of the different uh, protests that, that were going on in our area. In fact, there was a, a group of us from Kindred Church who, who went to uh, the, the protest in downtown Durham together. Um, but I was at one in, in Chapel Hill, and uh, there, there was this speaker there, um, African-American guy, racial justice activist, and he was giving this, this moving speech and at one point in the speech, he started talking specifically to, to white people. And I leaned in and, and made sure to, to pay extra close attention to, to that part because uh, I'm white. I don't know if you knew that about me. Um, but he was urging white people to, to stick with the movement for the long haul, to, to stick with the movement for racial justice and, and not give in and not give up. Because he explained, he says, you know, we, we've seen this in the past where something tragic happens, like, like a George Floyd murder, for instance. And then a bunch of well-meaning white people suddenly get an interest in, in racial justice and they show up and, and they want to help out. But then he said what, what often happens is that these well-meaning white people discover that racial justice is, just doesn't happen overnight. That there's no quick fix. You know, you don't just end hundreds of years of, of systemic oppression in an instant. And he said in the past, what we've seen is these well-meaning white people get involved with the movement, but then when they don't see enough progress or they don't see progress fast enough, they, they get discouraged and eventually they just kind of throw up their hands. They, they check out and, and they shift their focus to other things. Uh, that message stuck with me. It was, it was very convicting to me. But what that speaker knew from experience was that the struggle for justice, I think this applies to not just racial justice, but, but justice in, in any arena, it, it can be a real struggle and it can get discouraging. And in that place of discouragement, we can be tempted to think, gosh, I don't know what I can do. I just, I'm just going to check out and let my focus drift to something else. But of course, when we do check out, when we do throw up our hands and and just give up, then we become part of the problem, right? And not part of the solution, and we don't want that. And what we know is that when we give up and, and we just kind of check out of the struggle, we're falling short of God's calling for us. God's calling to, to keep resisting injustice, not just when things are going well, not just when it feels like we're making a, a lot of good progress, but even when the circumstances are discouraging. 
And so that's what I want us to, to think about together today for, for a few minutes. How can we keep resisting injustice, even in those times when the circumstances seem discouraging? Well, I'm sure there's a lot that we could say about that, um, but I want to lift up one particular answer for us to consider, and I think this is helpful, and I think this is something that applies to us whether we are allies in, in the struggle for a particular kind of justice or if we ourselves are victims uh, of, a, of a certain kind of injustice. And to help us explore this, uh, I want us to take a look at this story that Minoka read for us uh, a few minutes ago um, because this story is powerful, and this is a story that I'm guessing most of you watching this have probably never heard before today. It's about these two women that I'm almost positive most of you have not heard of before today, but that's unfortunate because these women are extraordinary and they give us an excellent example to learn from and, and to follow in our own lives. Uh, so here's the context for this story. Um, if you've been with us over the past couple of months, you know that we just wrapped up a sermon series where we spent a lot of time in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And for today, we're actually rewinding and we're jumping all the way back to the very, very beginning of that Exodus story. And, and here's kind of what's going on at this point. Uh, the ancient Israelites are living in Egypt. Why are they living in Egypt? Well, the place that they lived before had a famine. So originally they, they moved to Egypt in search of food and they developed a good relationship with the, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt at that time. And he was happy for the Israelites to stay and share the food and, you know, everything was great. The Israelites were, were doing well for a while. And then, and then things changed. The, the old Pharaoh died and a new Pharaoh came into power. And this new Pharaoh, he did not like the Israelites one bit. And he was deeply suspicious of them. He was skeptical about them. And he had this growing concern uh, about the, the growing population of the Israelites because they kept growing and, and multiplying. And, and this new Pharaoh started to think, well, you know, uh, if these Israelites ever were to turn against us or if they formed an alliance with one of our enemies, that they could probably take us in a battle. So we need to get these Israelites under control. And when he decided to do that, that led to this series of horrific injustices. Uh, step one for Pharaoh is that he decided he was going to enslave the Israelites. Up to this point, they had just lived freely alongside of the, the Egyptians, but, but now the, uh, the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. And, and their first task was Pharaoh put them to work building storage cities, which is exactly like what it sounds, pretty much. Uh, it was these entire cities that the Egyptians had built to store their excess food, their excess grain. That's what the Israelite slaves initially were in charge of building while they themselves were living on rations. They were building whole cities for the Egyptians' food. You can imagine uh, how they felt about that. Well, then Pharaoh wanted to exert even more control over the Israelites. And so step two is that instead of just building the, the storage cities, Pharaoh put them to work also out in the fields. Pharaoh put them to work making bricks, and he imposed upon them these ridiculous production quotas that were inhumane. They had this back-breaking labor. And yet throughout this period, the Israelites continued to, to grow and, and multiply. Their, their population continued to increase. So Pharaoh decided, I've really got to get their population under control. And he came up with a new plan. And his new plan actually took things from very bad to even worse. 
Well, this is the point in the story when we meet our two main characters. Uh, Pharaoh decides to summon these two Israelite midwives, these two midwives named Shifra and Pua. Shifra and Pua. You can imagine going through middle school with a name like Pua. You know, this must have been a tough lady, I'm, I'm guessing. Well, they make their way from the slave village where they lived to the grand royal palace of Pharaoh. And as they entered the, the meeting room with Pharaoh, we have to imagine that they were terrified, uh, that they were wondering what horrific thing is going to happen next and in walks Pharaoh, you know, at this time, the most powerful person in the entire world. And he addresses Shifra and Pua. And, and he doesn't beat around the bush. Uh, and instantly we learn what uh, Pharaoh's new plan is for, for Israelite population control. Uh, he says to Shifra and Pua, he says, when you're helping the Israelite women give birth, you know, you're doing your thing as, as midwives. He says, here's what I want you to do. If it's a girl, baby, you can let her live. But if it's a boy, Pharaoh says, kill him. If it's a boy, kill him. Now, I want us to pause here for, for just a second, and I want us to, to put ourselves in the shoes of, of Shifra and Pua and imagine how they felt in this moment. Because I think if there is ever a time to be discouraged, if there is ever a time to be discouraged, this has got to be it, right? I mean, just think about their situation. Their whole nation is enslaved. Uh, they are, uh, you know, they got backbreaking labor that they face every single day. And, and here things just get even worse. We can imagine internally uh, how powerless and how uh, insignificant and small Shifra and Pua felt uh, against all of this injustice that they and their people were, were facing. And I think, you know, as, as we consider how they must have felt, I mean, who could blame them if they had decided to think, well, well what can we do in the face of all of this? You know, I mean, we, we can't end slavery. That's not within our control. Uh, we, we can't improve the working conditions of our people. That's not within our control. We, we can't convince Pharaoh uh, to, to change his plan and, and not try to kill off all these male Israelite babies. That's not within our control. We're not even allowed to speak to Pharaoh unless he first gives us permission. So, so that's off the table. So who could blame Shifra and Pua if they decided to, to just kind of throw up their hands and say, what can we do? There's, there's nothing we can do in this situation. But here's what's so amazing. Here's what's so amazing about Shifra and, Pua. and I think this is so inspirational and so helpful for any of us who want to stand on the side of justice. Uh, instead, instead of focusing on what they couldn't do, all of the things that weren't within their power to, to make this whole situation right, instead, they focused on what they could do. And they determined that they were going to keep resisting injustice within their context, within their sphere of influence. Now, their sphere of influence was pretty small. You know, they were enslaved. Uh, even among the Israelites, they were not in a position of leadership or authority. I mean, they were just humble midwives. Their, their sphere of influence was, was quite small. And yet, they decided, well, here's where we are. So here is where we're going to resist injustice. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, Exodus chapter 1 verse 17 says this. It says, now the two midwives respected God. They respected 
God, meaning that their allegiance was to God and not to Pharaoh, and they knew that, and they knew that God called them to find ways to continue to resist injustice. And so it goes on. Uh, the two midwives respected God, so they didn't obey Pharaoh's order, but instead they let the baby boys live at great risk to themselves. They let the baby boys live. Now, did that instantly end the slavery of their people? No, not directly, for sure. Uh, did that improve the working conditions of their people? No, not directly, certainly. But it was a way that they could continue to resist the injustice that they were facing, and so they determined to keep doing it, and to keep doing it, and to keep doing it over and over. And as they did, they trusted that God would see that, that God would use that, that, that somehow their acts of resistance would mean something, even if they couldn't always see exactly how. Well, as the story continues to unfold, what we find out is that God absolutely did see their acts of resistance, and God did use them. And God blessed them. God honored them. The, the scripture says that God blessed them in their work. God blessed them at home. And ultimately, ultimately, God was able to multiply their impact in ways that Shifra and Pua themselves didn't even get to see. Well, here's what I think all of this means for us. And, and this is why I wanted to, to lift up this story for us today. You know, in our own struggle to make things better, to make things right in this world. In whatever arena, we're going to face discouragement. That's unavoidable. There's going to be times when it feels like we're just trapped in a losing battle. But when we find ourselves in that place, Shifra and Pua, they, they give us such an important example of how to not be immobilized by all of the things that we can't do, the, the, the changes we can't make, the injustices that we can't solve on our own, but instead to stay focused on keeping on resisting injustice within our context, where we are within our sphere of influence, whether that's big or whether that's small. And we can follow their example of continuing to trust that God is going to see that and that God is going to use that and that God is going to multiply the impact in ways that we sometimes won't even see. Uh, Mother Teresa has this quote. Some of you may have, have heard this. Um, it actually starts off kind of, kind of negative. It, it starts off maybe uninspiring a, a little bit. She says, uh, we cannot all do great things. Uh, which, you know, I think like, Mother Teresa, wow, you know, aren't you a saint? Aren't you supposed to be positive and, and encouraging? I mean, can you imagine using that line at a valedictorian speech? Uh, we cannot all do great things. Like, that would go over like a lead balloon, I feel like. Um, but she goes on. She doesn't leave it there. She says, we cannot all do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. We can all do small things with great love. Uh, I hate to break it to you but you cannot single-handedly fix everything that's wrong with this world, and I can't either. And even if a few of us team up, we're still not going to be able to fix all the problems uh, in this world as, as much as we might want to. But what we can do is we can continue to do small things with great love. Um, in our context, maybe that means we continue to learn more about how to be anti-racist in our context. 
Uh, we continue to do our part to protect the environment. Uh, we, we continue to speak out and to name discrimination against women, discrimination against sexual minorities and, and other groups when we see it in our context. Uh, we continue to, to use the, the resources that we have to, to help those who have less than we do over and over and over again. We can continue to do those small things with great love. Uh, and here's one of the amazing things about being a Christian, uh, and that's that in that struggle and in that persistence, we know that we are not alone in that. And we know that God can overcome the forces of injustice in this world. In fact, we believe that in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God already has overcome the forces of injustice in this world. And God's promise to you and God's promise to me is that one day, ultimately, God will make things right. God will make things right. And here's another amazing thing about being a Christian. Um, God invites you and God invites me to, to, within our own context, within our own sphere of influence, again, big or small, God invites you and me to play a part, to play a role in God's transformation of the entire world, of the entire world. And God promises us that when we continue to do those small things with, with great love, uh, God will see that, God will use that, and God will multiply the impact in ways that we may not get to see. I want to end with, with this story of, of Shifra and Pua's legacy. I, I'm not sure how many of you know this, but I think this is, this is really important to remember. Um, so after Shifra and Pua died, uh, their life came to an end, and, and a long time went by, many generations. And, and many generations later, there was a young Israelite woman, and she had a baby, a baby boy. And at that time, Pharaoh was still trying to kill off the, the male Israelite babies, and uh, this woman had heard the story of Shifra and Pua because uh, th their story and their legacy had been handed down. It, it lived on. So she, she heard their story, and I think she was inspired by it because she decided to, to resist injustice in a, a very similar kind of a way. She determined that she was going to let her uh, baby boy live, that she was going to rescue him from the Egyptian soldiers who wanted to do him harm. And so she ends up smuggling her baby at great risk to herself. She smuggles him out of the slave village. She goes down to the Nile River and she ends up putting her baby in a basket. And she floats him down the river away from the Egyptian soldiers. And she intentionally floats him towards this Egyptian family that she hopes and prays will, will pull him out of the water and rescue him and adopt him and raise him as their own and as it turns out, that's exactly what happens. The baby survives. Uh, he gets the name Moses, and he grows up. And ultimately, God calls Moses, and God uses Moses to confront Pharaoh. And Moses ends up being the one to finally, finally, finally lead the Israelites out of slavery and into freedom. Shifra and Pua, they, they didn't get to see it. They didn't get to, to live to, to see the way that, that their acts of resistance played an important part in the story of how God was transforming the entire situation of the Israelites and, and bringing about justice. But nevertheless, they played that, that critical role. I think you can too, and I can too. Like Shifra and Pua, we, we may not always get to see it, and that's important to remember in the discouraging times. But if we continue to do small things with great love, faithfully, 
then we know that we'll be playing our part in God's transformation of the entire world. Let me pray for us. Oh, God of justice and God of compassionate love, um, Lord, we, we thank you for your calling on us, for this desire that you've put within us to, to make things right in this world. We know that ultimately that desire comes from you, and that's part of being made in your image. God, we thank you for the privilege of getting to play a, a small part in that story of, of transformation, God. Uh, we confess, Lord, as, as you well know, that in the face of so much that is not right, so much that we see and experience on a daily basis, so much that we hear about in the news, it can be so overwhelming. It can leave us feeling powerless and, and discouraged. God, at times we're, we're tempted to just throw up our hands. We're, we're tempted to want to just give up, Lord. But we know that when we do that, we're, we're falling short of, of your calling on us. So God, give us the strength. Uh, give us the encouragement. Give us the grace to continue to do small things with great love in our context, to do what we can to resist injustice, God. And we pray and we trust in your promise that you will multiply our impact in ways we may get to see and, and celebrate and in other ways that we may not. Either way, Lord, we thank you for being a God of justice and a God of transformation. We put our hope in you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, who conquered evil and sin and death and injustice once and for all. Amen. You, consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time.